0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome to our latest set of vodcasts. This is going to be a series of talks on the adrenal gland and uh, let's get started. So, I've given talks on the adrenal glands before. You can see that on our iLectures or on CTSS, but this is updated. Now, the one thing that doesn't get updated is this slide because it's true. Why do we evaluate the adrenals? It could be tumor staging like lung cancer or melanoma. It could be a suspected hormonal abnormality. Think of Cushing's, think of hypertension, and worrying about a hyperdosteroma, or you're worrying about a uh, pheochromocytoma. But the truth is, most of the time, we see the adrenal because it's there. Basically, every abdomen and basically every chest, we look at the adrenal gland. We know the adrenals vary in shape from right to left and from individuals. Some are longer, some are shorter. We look for symmetry in the gland. We don't think about glandular enhancement, but the glands, in fact, do enhance. If you would put a cursor over the adrenal gland, a normal adrenal like this one, non-contrast to contrast, you would see enhancement of between 50 and 90 Hounsfield units. This also shows you very nicely the difference of two normal adrenals, right and left. Now when the adrenals enhance very bright, like this, that's when there's an issue, right? When the adrenals are this bright, then we're dealing with shock, hypovolemia. It was classically described in a case like this with a pediatric trauma, and you can see when you look at the patient's abdomen, the the bowel is going through the abdominal wall. And although it was described in pediatric trauma, we see it in many different scenarios. We see, here's another adult, pneumothorax, pulmonary contusion, bright adrenal glands. Now, sometimes the clinicians know the patient's hypotensive, but I've seen many cases from the ER, but also from the ICU where they know the patient is sick, but no one knew they were hypotensive. That's where the adrenal finding is great, and you can see it here very well. And then here's another example of a patient with an intracranial bleed, and we were looking for an abscess, you can see this pancreatitis, distended stomach, but look how bright the adrenals are. The patient is hypotensive, obviously, Extensive infiltrates in the patient's lungs as well. So, a very, very good sign. Or another example here a patient with abdominal pain, pneumatosis, ischemic bowel. And when you scan higher, uh, we know the patient's going to be very problematic if they have ischemic bowel with pneumatosis, but the adrenals really tell you we have a real problem. And there have been several articles about this. This an article by Chung. We propose that adrenal enla- enhancement may be due to hyperperfusion in the early state of shock due to the crucial role that the adrenals play. Another article from AJR, it is important to recognize intense adrenal enhancement in normal-shaped adrenals, especially in well- unwell patients, because this may be an early sign of a pending shock. So again, a very important finding. Now, sometimes you can say, do I use a measurement? The answer is really not. When you see bright adrenals, you know they're bright adrenals. And so really what it is is normal shape, normal size, but they're very bright on the imaging. And that brightness would persist between arterial and venous and really interdelayed. So it's a very good finding. You're not going to see it that frequently, but it can be very critical the times you do see it. Now, when I look at an adrenal mass, clinical history is important. Obviously, a patient has a history of malignancy, I'm thinking I see an adrenal lesion metastasis. Patient's hypertensive, I'm thinking pheochromocytoma. Things we look at are size, unilateral versus bilateral, attenuation, the presence of calcification or fat, and the enhancement pattern, and we'll go through that more in a moment. Again, smaller lesions are more likely benign, but not necessarily. Larger lesions are more likely malignant, but not always. So, again, these various features can be helpful, but are not going to be home runs typically, though enhancement pattern will be a home run, as we'll discuss. Now, functioning adrenal lesions, patients typically are symptomatic. Cushing's, Kahn syndrome, pheochromocytoma. So, those are functioning lesions. The patient is hypertensive, and you see an enhancing adrenal lesion, I don't need to give a differential, that's a pheo. So again, history becomes critical. One of the things we speak about most, and something that drives people crazy the most, are incidental lomas of the adrenal gland, and that's a very, very simple thing. Good definition, non-functioning adrenal tumor discovered on an imaging study performed for indications exclusive of adrenal-related conditions. The fact is, the closer you look, the more incidental adenomas you're going to see. People talk about 5% as a number. Patients who are older, patients who are obese, patients who are female are all more likely to have incidental adenomas. Now the question is, how important are they? Good article by Song a number of years ago, 973 consecutive patients with an incidental adrenal lesion, but no history of cancer everyone was benign. Most of them are adenomas. We talk about adenomas in a moment as being under 10 Hounsfield units, but even lesions over 10 Hounsfield units in this series tended to be benign. Follow-up imaging to characterize an incidental mass appears to have a limited role in this patient cohort. Again, In conclusion, the results of our study show that none of the incidentally detected adrenal masses was malignant in patient with no known malignancy. Taking that a step forward, Kerwin looked at what happens if you have bilateral adrenal lesions. Well then you say, oh, could this be more commonly met? Same thing, in a patient who did not have malignancy, those adrenal lesions were not of clinical significance. Now again, Bilateral could be METs, it can be 10% of Pheos, it can be a number of different things. But again, incidental, no known malignancy, they're going to be benign. We found no case of malignant-3 in 322 incidentally detected bilateral adrenal nodules at CT exams of 161 patients who had no known cancer. Okay, Very, very important. Again, the the thing about history becomes very important. Another article going back another decade from Corwin, our findings suggest do not pursue bilateral adrenal masses. So again, very, very important. Um, another article, Corwin, the purpose of the study is to determine the difference in growth rate of adenomas and malignant nodules. And they made the point, and something to remember, that one-third of Adenomas actually will grow, but less than three millimeters a year. Malignant nodules grow faster over five millimeters a year. So I think this point and the best message to take from this point is if you see an adrenal lesion and you look at its 2CM and you look at three years ago as 1.7, don't go crazy. Adenomas can grow, but when they're malignant, they grow faster. And obviously, it's not a surprise, the longer you wait, if you have a malignant nodule, you're going to see other findings beyond just the adrenal. Now, one thing I want to mention is sometimes we do see adrenal lesions referred in when they're not really adrenal lesions. This was sent in for evaluation of this adrenal mass, and it could be. It could be. You can see something between the stomach and the spleen non-contrast. It could also be... uh, a gist tumor coming off the stomach. It also could be a pancreatic tail lesion. It could be a retroperineal sarcoma. And sure enough, when you give IV contrast, the lesion slightly enhances, but as you look carefully, you see the adrenal gland. And this is not the adrenal. This is a gastrointestinal stromal tumor. So you need to be careful. Here it is on the cinematic rendering. I've also seen uh, diverticulum off the posterior gastric wall be, be called adrenal lesions. I've also seen just the stomach collapse be called an adrenal lesion. So you need to be careful, particularly if you only have a chest CT and you only have part of the abdomen and you tend to overcall things in that regard. Here's a nice example from the sagittal view showing you the gist tumor, typical exophytic lesion, simulating but easy to diagnose as not an adrenal lesion. Now, I mentioned before we look at enhancement, and one of the things going back more than 20 years, people began to recognize that lesions wash out. We talk about that in the liver. People looked at in the adrenal. And what they found was that adrenal adenomas, when you looked at 30 minutes, were always less than 37 Hounsfield units, and malignancies, or non-adenomas surely, were over 41. Now, several things were also said. Under 10, at that point, zero was the number, but it's really 10 Hounsfield units. If you have that on non-contrast CT, you don't need to do anything else. Under 10 is a lipid-rich adenoma. You don't need to say, well, could it be a lipid-rich adenoma or something else? It's an adenoma, next case, leave alone, no follow-up. Now, the issue, of course, becomes in this case, you have an adrenal nodule, and if you look at it and you measure it a nice one centimeter circle centrally, it's a zero Hounsfield units. Okay, very simple, it's an adenoma. But if you gave contrast and you only had the contrast scan, it now measures 64. At 64, it's round, it's smooth. I guess it could be an adenoma, but I couldn't say it's an adenoma. I can suggest it's an adenoma. Now, what people have noticed then is if you go back and you wait, and typically you want to wait 15 minutes, sometimes 10 minutes works, but not always, the lesion drops in attenuation by more than 60%. And so what people looked at was adrenal washouts. If a lesion goes from the number non-contrast, you look at an arterial, or rather 60 seconds, then you look at 15 minutes. If things wash out more than 60%, it's an adenoma. And what that helps you do is classify lesions, particularly lipid-poor adenomas. Remember, on the non-contrast scan under 10, you can stop if it's under 4CM as an adenoma. But what if it's 30? What if it's 40? It could be many things, but once you do the washout, if it goes from 40 to 100, and then needs to go back, and it goes back under 60, it's an adenoma. Okay, so it's something to look at. Now you hate waiting 15 minutes so someone looked, maybe I'll wait 10 minutes, but then the accuracy instead of being in the 90s was only in the 40% range. So let's look at some examples just to make you feel better. Non-contrast, under three CM, six Hounsfield units, it is an adenoma, next case. But we were doing a kidney here, so we have the adrenals for free, 67 arterial, 56 on venous, and 18 on delayed. You can see the rapid washout and when you look at the numbers you can see that from the Venus, which we look at, it dropped m- more than two-thirds. That's a classic adenoma. Another example, 24 Hounsville units. It could be something besides an adenoma, it could also be a lipid pore adenoma, but there we go 24 to 56 and 56 to 28, it's an adenoma. Or in this case, 40 to 81 and back again from 81 back to 42. So we're dealing with an adenoma. Very, very nice way of detecting leave alone lesions. So again, this idea, look at the density. If it's indeterminate and you have other scans, look at growth rate. Again, I don't wanna repeat what we said a few moments ago, But under three millimeters, benign, if it's growing over five, you have to worry about malignancy. And the fact is, if you have a malignant nodule, surely a primary adrenal carcinoma, but even a MET, you're gonna have other findings. If that's your only finding and it's barely growing, it's not gonna be a malignancy, okay? Now, when I mentioned this washout, and I don't wanna go through it more than I did about a 60% washout, It's important to remember pheochromocytomas are the exception to the rule, because when they did the articles, they would always leave pheos out. Pheos enhance significantly higher than adenomas, and they wash out equally well. So if you look at this case, and you say there's an adrenal nodule, right adrenal gland, you say, ah, that's not so bad. But then you measure it, it's 50. It looks benign, it's incidental, it's small but you give contrast and what happens? It's 164. Anything above 120 is a pheo till proven otherwise. A very, very important fact. So in this case, you realize you go from that number to 78, it washed out quickly, but that doesn't matter. We've published articles talking about arterial enhancement over 110, we should be thinking about a pheo. Um, we'll now say probably 120. Now, sometimes FIOs are brightest arterial, sometimes the brightest venous. Uh, it depends, but surely the numbers are going to be super high. You're not going to see an adrenal with an attenuation of 72. It's always going to be, most of the time, high 170s to 200. Again, this article we looked at on FIO's, just a quote a mass that is greater than 110 minus than greater than 110 Hounsfield units in arterial phase, particularly with higher enhancement in arterial phase is likely a pheo. Again, maybe 120. We've had a few adenomas that are 110, so you need to be very careful. I've seen a few adenomas recently that are about 110 and do that 50% washout or 60% washout, so that's very, very critical. And just to show you some examples, here's a nice lesion enhancing, 32 non-contrast, who knows? what that could be. Not that large. Here it's 121. It's very bright. This was a pheochromocytoma. Here it is in the coronal and here it is washing out. So very, very important. This article by Mohammed on assessment of peak venous enhancement. A cutoff of 85 provides a highly sensitive and specific threshold in evaluation of incidental adrenal nodules. Exceeding this threshold favors a pheo rather than an adenoma, but it's not a threshold for exclusion of adenoma or a definitive diagnosis of pheo. 85, I don't know. I think, again, my big thing is over 110, 120. I see many adenomas that are 85, so I'm just disagreeing with this article. Now, what about other lesions? Adrenal cysts are very common. Easy, water density, can I tell endothelia from epithelial? The answer is no. The water density, thin wall, maybe a septation, occasionally rim calcification. You can see it here, non-contrast very nicely. Water density, you give contrast, there it is, suprarenal, butts the liver, or butts the kidney. So the point here also is larger lesions and not necessary malignancies, and this is the typical cysts, right? Another example. Large, well-defined water density, no enhancement. Here it is in coronal. It's a cyst. Now we talk about other lesions, angio, adrenal, myelolipoma. We see this more frequently now, and it's always a problem in some sense at times because they're in older patients with known malignancies, and you're staging, and you see an adrenal lesion. What is it? Well, myelolipomas are benign tumors. They never become malignant. They're non-functioning it's usually older patients, is composed of mature fat cells and hemipoietic tissue. It can have calcifications in addition to fat, and the size range is variable. Most of them remain stable over time, but they can enlarge, and occasionally they will bleed, and then they'll be resected. Uh, There is the question of when you should optimally resect. This article by Peira talks about it's an uncommon benign tumor composed of mature adipose cells and hemopoietic tissue. The CT features are characteristic. Lesions have a negative Hounsfield value because of macroscopic fat, okay? Now we do see calcifications and often they're punctate. I do like seeing fat and punctate calcifications. Yes, you can get fat in carcinomas, but those lesions are enhancing and aggressive. You can't see calcifications, but they're dystrophic in carcinomas. I see a little bit of fat, and I see a couple of calcifications. To me, I feel better. It's a myelipoma. Some examples, right adrenal myelipoma, all fat. Another example, bigger lesion, a little bit of swirling. When you see swirling, you wonder if the patient previously bled. Another example here, almost all fat, not a difficult diagnosis and shown well on the coronal view as well. And here it is again on the coronal views. Here's a larger one, mixed fat and soft tissue, so they're not gonna be all fat. The all fat ones are easy, but those are rare. A lot of fat becomes very critical. And here's one with even more fat. Now, you could say, well, how do I know it's not a liposarcoma of the kidney, of the retroperitoneum? Low density, well-defined, sharp margins make it easy. Occasionally, you can have a challenge, and I'll show you some an example in a moment. You can see in this case, there's some swirling present. That usually means the patient has bled. The question of management of myelolipomas always comes up. If someone's bled, they'll resect it. Some people say over five, some people say over seven centimeters, you should resect it. The big issue is bleeding. There's no issue with potential malignancy. Another example here, a little bit of swirling, but lots of fat. And here it is in coronal view as well. And here's one with multiple zones of fat and punctate calcification, easy diagnosis. Obviously, the other ones are easy when it's all fat, but here, fat and calcifications make my life easy. Again, there's the fat, and there's the punctate calcification. Another example, fat, punctate calcification, a beautiful example of adrenal myolipoma. Now again, sometimes there's minimal fat. Here's a lesion where in the image on the left, you really worry. Image on your right, you see the fat. You look at the coronals, you can see fat, a little bit of calcification. This is an adrenal myelipoma. Now, the question about making a mistake, here's one that's a myelipoma, but I have to admit there's so much fat. Patient had back pain, it's gonna come out regardless, because if you have pain, they're gonna take a myelipoma out. If, this, if you said to me this could be a liposarcoma, I would really be thinking about it. Liposarcomas can simulate, but they're not as well defined, and the capsule or pseudocapsule is something you see with model lipomas. So, again, this article by Garrett did make the point that at times it can be somewhat confusing, but that's exceedingly rare. Again, hemorrhage, the fat, the high density, that's a patient who bled into it. And if I look at the literature which I did, when do we operate? Some people say 8 cm, some people say 7, some people say 5. Anybody with pain or discomfort, and in a typical appearance where you can't be certain of the diagnosis. And in those cases, you would do it laparoscopically. Okay? Very, very straightforward how you would be done. Now I mentioned hemorrhage, and you can see hemorrhage in these cases, which is why the patient may present with pain. But hemorrhage is a very interesting topic. So let's take a break here and come right back and let's talk about hemorrhage. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, cts.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available